0: I was given an opportunity and had to do it fast within three months, lead the company to Sarrain's Oxley certification. And I got to do it my way again, which is really cool. The company had gone down a path of testing hundreds of controls and it was dizzying. It was first year for everybody, so very difficult.
1: In the world of business finance, things change fast. Welcome to the Leaders of Modern Finance a show where today's finance innovators discuss what the future holds. Learn from experts in the field as they explore emerging finance trends, insights, and more. This episode is brought to you by Stamply, the leading accounts payable automation platform. With Stampley, collaborate easily and efficiently with invoice approvers, vendors, and anyone involved with purchases. This helps you quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5X faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at Stampley.com.
2: Thank you for joining us on the Leaders of Modern Finance. My name is Tiffany Fox-Quintana. I am the VP of Marketing here at Stamply, And joining me today is Kirsten Benden, CFO of Altium Packaging. Kirsten, welcome.
0: Good morning, Tiffany. So glad to be with yes. you today.
2: And interesting fact. Kirsten and I worked together years ago at Earthlink where she was the chief um, internal auditor and then ultimately the CFO of the consumer org where I was part of. Kirsten has said before, she considers herself to be the accidental CFO. And so I would love to try to go into further where your journey started and what was it that was in your plans and where did that pivot happen where you ended up going into the world of finance?
0: I love it that you call it a journey rather than a career path because path has a premeditation associated with it, and that is not at all how my life evolved in fact, when I went to school, I had this ideal of trying to make the world a better place i had my undergrad was in government and international studies and in languages, and the idea at the time was to go join the United Nations until I realized that. It takes connections, money, and politics to do that. And I had neither. And so I thought, I'll just start in business. And that got me introduced into international taxation. And so when I think about my career journey, I would say there's an earlier part and a later part. And the earlier part was all, like you said, accidental. When opportunity knocked on the door, I would open it and I would stand there and consider and like Oh, that sounds interesting. Why don't I do that? That's how I got my career start in global taxation. I started with what was then the big six, Pricewaterhouse at the time and KPMG. The development that I got from those roles was just tremendous. The concepts, the financial and analytical concepts, as it turns out at the time, I didn't know that, were so helpful in my entire career. And the rigor of the training and the application, the attention to detail when you do somebody's taxes. They really wanna make sure that you got it right. And when you give them advice on expatriate taxation, they wanna know that they're in good hands with you and importance of relationships and making sure that you made it a personal experience with your clients was drilled into me and I loved it. It was a great place to be, got me introduced globally to Latin America and other places. I grew up in Germany, so I already had Europe and it, it, it just broadened my horizon
2: I recall when i was in college one of my roommates my senior year was in finance accounting i think was her major and getting into one of the big six was a big deal for her so how did you manage that from government international studies and breaking into that area
0: so funny very observant of you tiffany yes so believe it or not i started there as an administrative assistant to the German partner, the German audit partner and the Japanese audit partner. And they hired me for my languages and for my global thinking. And so within the firm, we had an international tax group. We called it International Executive Service. And again, they were in dire need of somebody that spoke more than one language. At the time, we had a big German automaker account, and they insisted uh, on wanting a German speaker. So they decided to take the chance on me. And said, you know what, you've got what we need in the relationship and we'll teach you. The-. And to, to me, what a great place to be. And also an introduction into uh, a field where I might say almost everything is learnable. I think you do need to go to school for many of the sciences and certainly life and death type situations. Everything else can be learned. And, and what a great place to be for somebody to recognize an attribute. It's not even a skill at that point, but an attribute. And then it was up to me to make something out of the training. And so very early on, and in fact, it was a bit frightening. I got to be the lead on a big, and I constantly had to go back and ask, how do I do this? And how do I do that? I really knew nothing at the time and somehow made it through. And that you never know what's going to open that door, right? You go to school for something, you think you're going to be on a certain path, and then something completely different develops. It's pretty amazing. It comes
2: down to, in some ways, problem solving, having the, you know, understanding to know how to figure something out. When you're hiring in your own team today, what are those attributes that you're looking for then as well?
0: Yes, there are some foundational things I always look for. And I always ask the question, too, what did you go to college for? Why did you make that choice? And what did you think you were going to do with it? Because it tells me something about the way that they're thinking. And in the end, my experience is that it comes down to what I might call executive function, being organized, being diligent, being detail-oriented, critically thinking, articulating your thoughts, being engaged. And so those are all things you don't learn in school. Those are things that are part of your personality that you develop over time. Hopefully you find confidence and you grow from that. And and the more you do that, and the more you show that a willingness to learn and some natural and curiosity, intellectual curiosity, I think the further you'll go with that. And I didn't just sit there and do my administrative work for the german partner i developed a lot of relationships along the way and was not always appreciated for my challenges and my thought-provoking ideas i will say that
2: <laughs> those are always hard things to get across in many ways in general when you were learning more on the tax side and developing those relationships and really learning the functional component of the job did you have a mentor or people that were guiding you along that you know cleared the path for letting you fail and pick yourself back up? Or was it just the assumption that, nope, you just got to go hundred percent, know it all from the beginning.
0: I want to knee jerk and say, nope, did it all by myself, but I sure didn't. Of course not. And interestingly enough, right? You, I think my parents gave me a wonderful gift that let me think that I could do anything. And so having that to help me along, because honestly, early on, you really know nothing and that ignorance can be bliss. And you're, much more open to taking risks because you don't really fully understand the implications of those risks. And so I think especially early on, there were people that saw potential in me that I had no idea existed. And so having that as a support, as a coach and a guide really helped tremendously. And I was sitting in the Atlanta office and yet I had relationships with the regional partner in Washington or the South American partner in Florida. And so all of that was so helpful and so influential in my decisions and how I was gonna go about the work. And and then there was a little bit of, I will call it spunk. I, I Once I decided, okay, this is a really great area for me to learn, I'm gonna do it right. I'm going to get my certificate here. So like the CPA license, there's an equivalent in taxation as well. Four parts, two days, you have to have minimum passing scores in all of them and for anything to count. And my department head at the time said to me, ah, you'll never get it. You're way too early in your career. You need more experience to do that. And, and that comes out the... Oh oh, I can can do this. I can totally do this. So I did. Yeah. There's a t-shirt on that. Underestimate (laughs) me. That'll be fun. And so that's what I did. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And there's a little bit of skill and a little bit of luck. And by sheer luck, I passed one of the parts that I really knew very little about with a minimum score and I got it in one sitting. And that was really helpful in so many ways because it bought me instant credibility And later on, there are certain checkpoints where people look for degrees and certificates and other things, and promotional requirements often hinge on those things. And so then to come in and to say, hey, I've done this, even though I'm no longer in sort of the tax world, opened other doors for me. It was really cool. And
2: and as a a female in a finance-driven world, very male-dominated in many ways, how did you advocate for yourself?
0: Yeah, I might call myself a little bit revelous. If that's the right word, certainly in the big six at the time, there were very strict requirements on clothing. And in fact, there was a rule at the time that women couldn't <laughs> wear. And I didn't see the sense in that. And and there were beautiful paint yeah. suits. You, know, you could certainly look very professional without that. And, and so I didn't ask permission. I just started wearing those and, and decided that I needed to define myself on my own. I was most certainly going to deliver, I was going to perform, I was going to study hard. I was going to learn from my mistakes, but it, I had to be allowed to yeah. be me. And so I will say I, I bent the rule a little bit. And I will tell you in no time, the other women in the office were also wearing pantsuits. And so in some small ways, this is not revolutionary, right. but I set a tone. And I guess as a potential supervisor, you might look at that behavior and say, she's going to be very difficult. But on, on the other hand, that also means I bring some independent yeah. thinking.
2: What you deliver isn't dependent on what you wear at all. Thank you. Know, you. When you think back, <laughs> that really wasn't that long ago. That was some sort of HR dress requirement. It makes no sense at all in our world today, but it's it's interesting to see how those times have changed and how we've pushed through on a lot of that stuff. So after you really mastered all things, how did you enter into the world where it was going to push you into a CFO Type of function or trajectory
0: so there was most certainly a, a conscious choice at some point, roughly five years or so into global taxation, I had a reflection moment and said to myself, "Do I really want to spend the rest of my life helping people comply with tax codes around the world, or is there a different path for me?" And the beauty about this work was that I got to directly interact with a number of personnel directors and HR leaders. They are typically the ones that manage expatriate programs. And so I got to know them really well and they got to know me really well. And so one of them became a friend and, and I asked her for input. I said, hey, I think I'm ready for a change. What do you think I should be looking? I just couldn't see myself becoming a tax partner and having that for the rest of my life. And she said, why don't you send me your resume? And I'm like, okay. And a week later, I got a call from her husband, as it turns out, who worked um, at the company in the internal audit organization. And there, my story repeated itself. I was interviewed. Again, they needed somebody for the global business that they had, somebody who spoke fluent Spanish. and And they I didn't look like anybody else that they hired in the past it was very it was a career path for your big sigs auditor cpa type folks here i was big sigs global tax certificate kind of person but again they needed the relationship building they needed the languages and so here i am coming in and that certificate got me the manager title within an organization which was really cool and so i got told hey listen we'd love to have you we have companies in 13 countries in Latin America and a number of them in Europe and the Middle East. And we really need somebody that understands the global business. We'd like for you to work here. And they said, don't count on racking up any frequent flyer miles, but we need you here. And then as it turns out, I ended up being gone all that six years, weeks, one year. And so on the road, all the time, hopping from one country to the next, consulting role and again it was i knew practically nothing about internal audit so they taught me and they allowed me to make it something that was not punitive but rather that saying we're here from corporate and we're here to help <laughs> can i truly look at your processes and try to help you make them better that's a better story and so once again i got to travel around meet all the leadership teams in in our various different operating companies and so combination of language relationships and Curiosity got me in the door. And people were very appreciative because they'd had different experiences in the past, right? Internal auditors have different personalities. There are some that are very much by the book and they just hammer you. That's not me. I would much rather look at how things work or why they don't work and how can we make them better. And so the report we would leave behind would be hey, um, here are three different solutions. These are all tested. You may try to figure out which one fits you best and then just come back to us when you think you have them in place and we can look at them again. And don't hesitate to reach out. We couldn't help implement because otherwise the objectivity would have been compromised. But but just the partnership aspect of that to me was so important. And so people were actually glad yeah. to see us coming for yeah. a change. Well, it's
2: different. <laughs> when you break the mold in general, just because you didn't have the same exact background of every other internal auditor that they might might have been familiar with in that sense. It's nice and it's refreshing and it takes a whole new approach. And like you said before, like identifying yourself, defining yourself, you're defining your own role in that area as well. And not what the book says, but we're going to do it a new way in a refreshing way. And I think that's something to be very, very proud of in that area. You've mentioned a couple of times, multiple languages. I knew French, now German. Spanish. How many languages do you speak?
0: I always say four and a quarter. Unfortunately, that global business got sold before I got a chance to be fluent in uh, Brazilian Portuguese. No matter, it was an amazing experience. Uh, and in fact, here I am, a, a typical redhead traveling in Latin America. I didn't exactly blend as you might imagine, and but I love the culture. And in fact, People would tell me, say, you must be wrong. There's no way you are German. That's just not how you come across. All these cliches that come with it is so interesting. I I would show up and they would have only talked to me on the phone. So no idea what I look like. Obviously, that was before video conferencing. And I would show up and do the kissing on the cheek to cheek kind of thing. And and they'd be just (laughs) numb. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this woman? It was was a lot of fun. And so relationships built really quickly and people felt really comfortable and felt comfortable sharing with me too. And so building that trust and felt very honored that I got it one on that side from what you might consider a client, but also internally the support to allow me to be a little bit freer. One of my consulting projects was preset. Here were the five different areas we were going to look at. And when we got there, their billing implementation, their billing system implementation had gone really wrong. And everything revolved around this billing system. And so I asked permission to scrap the program we were going to do and say, why don't we do a billing system assessment and maybe we can help them make it better. And and I was allowed to do that. It was so refreshing. You would still look and at any anyway, rate, we wouldn't have had any good reason otherwise. But to have that support, and you asked me earlier about mentors when I think about it. There were at least a handful each step in my journey. And in that case, it it was the head of internal audit at the company who was such a strong supporter of mine. It was just unbelievable. And in fact, he's the one that opened my next door for me. So this is
2: when you're in the telecom (laughs) world, right?
0: That's right. This was telecom. And it was when cell phones were in their infancy. And we ended up in one of those countries having some compliance challenges. And so he introduced me to the folks making the decision and said, okay, we, we need somebody dedicated to help us fix those. And so I got... Nudged very strongly to say, hey, why don't you take this compliance role? And I said, but I know nothing about compliance. That's okay. You'll learn it. And so here I am. And I literally moved across the street into the quote unquote international building. (laughs) And, And it ended up, what an awesome time that was. It was almost like a Harvard business case of how to turn company around because we had been operating those companies as a portfolio of investments rather than operating companies. And needless to say, you had varying degrees of results. And if we wanted to be one operating company, we had to have one plan. And every aspect thereof, culture values, business objectives, financials, you name it. And I got to be a part of that, and a pretty important part because compliance and culture are so interwoven. And it was a, an unbelievable experience. In fact, Jim Collins, um, the author of Good to Great, came to one of our leadership conferences and turned to me and said, the energy in this room is just unbelievable. I think I'm going to write about you all in my next book. And I thought, oh, it must be something pretty special if somebody like that is mentioning that. Only no good deed goes unpunished when we had it all turned around. The company got sold, so we didn't get mentioned (laughs) in his next book.
2: (laughs) But still, it sounds like your ability to build relationships has been really a cornerstone of some of the success you've had in your career. So they give you the opportunity to go learn something. But I wonder, do you find that it was your ability to create these relationships that helped you get those opportunities as well?
0: At some point, I sat there over a cup of coffee with a good friend and colleague, and we started to think about what we wanted our legacy to be and, and how cool that was to turn a company around and increase revenue and profits and all that good stuff. But in the end, we decided that it was all about the impact that we had on people's lives and that they had on us. And it's not, I don't think you can plan for that. There is a personality component, there there is a level of being an extrovert, right? And being able to make a connection with people. And I always joked because in two of my roles, like internal audit and compliance, You don't want to air your dirty laundry with those folks, but people always felt so comfortable with me and they would tell me things and I would treat them obviously confidentially and with great respect. And so they never got burned on their trust within me. So in my mind, absolutely crucial. And the ability to do that, I think allows you to also explore other areas. Here I go from global tax to internal audit and then to global compliance. And I was curious. And so I I studied a lot on the legal systems and on the laws. And in fact, the legal group there made me an honorary (laughs) lawyer. Obviously, I I had no decision rights, but I at least I got to feel part of that group. And that was cool.
2: Tell us how you ultimately became a CFO. What was the trajectory and your first opportunity there and take us down that road?
0: Yeah. So like I mentioned, no good deed goes unpunished. The global business got sold and I looked around the domestic business and I thought, I don't think this is the right fit for me. I'm am, I'm am more of a mover, shaker, fast, dynamic person. And the, the domestic business was a lot slower paced. And so I started to look around and found Earthlink. At the time, I'm, in my mind, an unbelievably exciting place to be. The internet was still fairly new. All the cool anti-phishing software, all the things that Earthling was developing, very cool. Publicly traded company and needed Sarbanes-Oxley. And so here comes out the internal audit portion of my training. I was given an opportunity and had to do it fast. Within three months, lead the company to Sarbanes-Oxley certification. And I got to do it my way again which is really cool the company had gone down a path of testing hundreds of controls and it was dizzying it was first year for everybody so very difficult we got to group those into processes and that told us a little bit about where we might have opportunities to optimize revenue or eliminate waste in other areas and so The deal I made was, hey, happy to do this, learn the company, make sure we have successful controls in place, but then I want to do something else. That was the deal we made. I keep up my end of the bargain, and then the company would keep up their end of the bargain. And so two years into that divisional CFO role opened up, and I got an opportunity to take it. And... What an awesome place to be! Again, I found myself, if I may say that out loud, in an <laughs> oh shit moment, as I I really have no idea uh, what I'm doing. I had uh, enough to be dangerous, right? All the good audit work allowed me to understand how the company operated and what the numbers were, but but I hadn't done it from a financial analysis perspective. So I had to quickly come up to overcome some internal opposition for sure, because other people looked at me and said. What is she doing in that role? She doesn't have that background. And and so people nibbling on my heels and all kinds of things like that. And I think over time, I had one person on my team who was financially just brilliant, but really difficult as a personality. And and so that really stretched me as a leader and we, I, I tried all kinds of different angles. You do what, how to do, how to convince people, how to have them see both sides of the equation. But what it finally came down to after I tried everything I knew to do, I finally had to sit that person down across from me and say, listen, I didn't sleep my way into this job. So whether you like it or not, I am here. And if this doesn't stop, one of us won't be here anymore and it won't be me. And it was this look of, and it really pushed me to a whole new level because that's not my personality. But there is a point where you're like, okay, enough. And then within a few months, we got that relationship completely turned around. And, and I said, listen, we can complement each other. Here's what you bring, here's what I bring. And jointly, we can really go far. And, and, and it ended up working that way. It was really beautiful. And when Earthlink downsized, as you remember, and it was my time to go, that person came to me and said what am I going to do now? You were always there to protect me. And that was such a cool testament. You've asked me about relationships. And to me, this is one of the most fulfilling aspects of it.
2: Earlier, you had mentioned having the confidence to do something. And I think as women, and I know I, I certainly have struggled with this throughout my career, you're put into these positions of leadership. And like you said, you're in this oh shit moment of, okay, I'm here. Now, what do I do? But being able to push through that and having even the confidence to talk to somebody who may be more financially educated in all of those areas and really strong takes a lot. And I think I commend you for that. That's amazing. And then really you did have an impact on them and you didn't, you, you may not even have realized it at onset too. Just fabulous.
0: Yeah. When you find yourself in those moments, you really have to dig deeply. And I think what ends up happening by default is it defines the leader or the leader that you want to become and i got tested a few times in my career on all kinds of aspects respect and integrity and right and i my son just turned 18 and i wrote a long letter to him and this was a huge part of it like hey that voice on the inside that instinct listen to it because if you Don't, you are not going to like the outcome. It's just, so when you have nothing else to fall back on, that's it. This is who you are. That's your nature. And it'll guide you. Fall back
2: on your beliefs, who you are, that core, all of that. And then after Earthlink, you went on to...
0: Yes. So after Earthlink, I actually, and this defines, I would say, the second part of my career journey. For the first time, I will say I completely took my career into my own and said okay, now it's my turn to figure out where I want to go and what I want to do. So rather than people knocking on my door, I started knocking on people's doors. And I took the opportunity to answer a lot of questions I've always had. Would I like to work in the nonprofit world? How might I fit in a small entrepreneurial startup kind of environment? And over time, and people were very gracious with their time and They were open to networking with me and entertaining my questions and and in fact here goes my son again i would get up and get dressed you know professionally every morning and and he said but mommy why are you dressed that way and i said because i have a meeting but mommy you don't have any work (laughs) i said yes but this is work too sweetheart this is part of it right the research components and again networking and relationships and i ended up joining a networking organization and at the time, a lot of other people were in the job market too, in yeah. 2009. And, and so we all bonded. And out of that came an accountability group with other women leaders. And we literally helped each other in our job search and helped define ourselves, which was really very cool. And, and one piece of advice I got was, hey, w- whenever somebody invites you to an interview, <laughs> you say yes. E- even if this is not the right yeah. job for you go interview anyway. And so I took that to heart and I ended up, I want to say I had over 80 interviews with 15 different companies in the course of six or seven months. And I always joke that the reason I got the job at Georgia Pacific was because I got so good at interviewing (laughs) because those were the the last 15 of those. No, but all kidding aside, it it was really tremendously helpful, but but more important in my head crystallized where I wanted to be, what kind of culture I wanted, what kind of an environment, how important learning was to me, that I wanted to continue in a place where people allowed me to be somewhat free and not so focused on is... Is she an auditor or a a compliance person or a financial person? Who is she? And the other big component of that was in the Earthling CFO role, I got to experience quarterly earnings releases and board preparations and Sarbanes-Oxley requirements. And I always felt it took away an opportunity for us to be long-term thinkers because we had to be so focused on the quarterly results. And, And so my hypothesis was, hey, if I'm in a privately held company, maybe we get to make decisions yeah. differently. And, and so I started interviewing at privately held companies and Georgia Pacific is one of the biggest yeah. there is. And that is exactly what happened. Like They took a chance on me and I took a chance on them because here I had consulting and telecom. I had no manufacturing whatsoever. They wanted a compliance leader, truly, that helped get the entire organization engaged. And I always say it's not (laughs) sexy, but it really gets you out there. It touches every aspect of the business. It touches every person. And if you do it right, it should speak individually to everyone. So they hired me as the chief compliance officer for the consumer business. And again, I made that same deal to say, I'm happy to do that. I think I have immediate value I can create but then I want to do something different. Is that an option? Yes, it is. I said, great. And so here I embarked on my manufacturing journey. And in fact, within 30 days of my getting there, the CEO asked to meet with me over coffee, which was a really great place to be because integrity and compliance is so important to Georgia Pacific. And that was one of the big reasons why I wanted to come there. And so he said to me, I looked at your resume and we have some similar traits in our background, big accounting firms, I don't think I would have hired you for this job. He said, why'd you take the job? And I said, there are very few opportunities in a company that allow you to see and learn the whole business without screwing it up, learning it. And I have something to bring to you that I think you could really benefit from in this role with my global compliance experience. And he said to me, you know what? I've never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. And then plus you can do something different. So Great validation within 30 days, which was really cool. And and that's exactly how it happened. In fact, one year at Christmas, we all go home for the holidays. The first day back in the office after the holidays, up comes this opportunity. We had some organiz- organizational changes, and they said, Hey, Kirsten, we'd like for you to take that divisional CFO role. I thought, How cool is that? And of course, I was excited. And I looked back at some of the work that I had done in my transition, the marketing brief I'd put together, then helped me articulate other things besides yeah. my work experience, like who I am as a person, what attributes are important to me, where I'd like to be, what culture that looks like. And so here I am yet again at, at a pretty senior leadership level, and they're allowing me to go into a role, taking yeah. a chance on me. Really very cool. And I will say that learning curve in manufacturing was very <laughs> steep so the financial concepts and the analytical yeah. thinking they translate but, but the quirks and the particular details around how manufacturing thinks and operates my that was hard to learn but uh, again i had a, a great team and some great mentors and supporters and and again you fall back on okay so logically what does the next step need to be how about i analyze cost structure something like that and that got me through and and in fact, got me into a place where once I had my footing, I decided I wanted to learn more. And I got into sales and marketing and innovation and all from a yeah. financial aspect, but key contributors. Yeah. I always joke that I got my marketing degree in my role <laughs> as CFO because I spent so much time with our marketing organization True. and it was really fun. And this continuous growth is so exciting to me. There's always more to learn. I would say
2: for sure, being in marketing and actually at Earthlink, I will say I learned so much about the budgeting process and understanding all the various things because we were going, I was there when we were doing the whole Sarbanes-Oxley and how everything had to be certain ways. And I think, you know, that's helped me in my career, but by far, I think that Marketing is always there supporting sales and product with all the launches and leads coming in. But I would say our biggest partner within the organization is always finance, for sure, because we're generally the biggest spenders of all the money <laughs> in that way. So.
0: I I love I love the term that you chose partner and to me that's how I look at it. Again, you have some choices you could make. You could be really tough on people, you could constantly be hounding them for savings, but my mindset is much more growth oriented, right? I want to be in a place that we take some risk and we want to grow and and strategically explore different areas. And so just a couple of weeks ago, the former chief marketing officer asked me if I would do him the honor of presenting an award to him in a marketing oh. organization. And I thought, now who would choose a CFO to deliver a marketing award? And I will tell you, it was such a joy for me to be able to do that and to have formed that really strong relationship. And we had knockdowns, dragouts. Show me what value this will create. Oh, I can tell you exactly what dollar that everything will do. No, you can't. But we got to a really great place. And so he was patient with me and taught me a lot of the concepts. And I returned the favor. And in some meetings, he would say, okay, so what's the return on my investment on this? And I would say, so what does this do for the long term? health of our brand and it was what and they would look at us like did you guys switch roles (laughs) it is that it was a lot of fun and there is so much more there's um all this activity behind the numbers and sweat and tears and efforts and
2: thank you Kristen. it's been a great conversation i have one final question for you if you have one piece of advice for anybody wanting to get to that cfo level what would it be
0: yeah if i may speak with shakespeare To thine own self be true. And I think that if you listen to your own thoughts um, and desires and you don't deny yourself, you'll get there. Maybe one last piece on how the role at Georgia Pacific opened the door to my current role there were there was a lot of definition in terms of what kind of leader do I want to be if I had a chance to call shots differently how would I do that and and at the right moment that door opened and culturally. I'm also in a private company at this point. I get to try out some of those things. I always thought it's a little bit like when you grow up and you say, man, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do that differently. <laughs> and there's yeah. a little bit of that in the career too. And so I'm going to get to try this out now and hopefully in measured uh, ways and with the appropriate amount of risk taken. But all that in my mind, know yourself, don't shake your personality at the door, be authentic. I've been called a little too much in the past and asked to simmer down. So this is my simmered down personality, but that's okay. You embellish as you go along, but in the end, you gotta be who you are. And that's what's gonna get you uh, to where you wanna be and make you successful.
2: Great advice, great advice. Again, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Modern Finance podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review you can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at stamply.com slash leaders of modern finance. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. This episode is brought to you by stamply, the most powerful way to process and pay invoices. Stamply is the only accounts payable automation software that centers communication on top of the invoice so that accounts payable collaborates better with approvers, vendors, and anyone involved in purchases to quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com.